For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin here to bring you the next in our Falcons training camp preview series as we are now officially less than a month away from the start of Falcons training camp. Uh... Obviously not a ton of news going on here, so this is the perfect time to sort of take a closer look at the roster, really look deep into these position groups. Uh, Today we're going to be covering wide receiver and tight end, so wide receiver in particular, probably the group with arguably the most intrigue of any uh, on the roster, so this is, I think, going to be a pretty fun one. Also 12 guys in that room, so there's a lot to get to, and then we're going to cover tight end today as well, uh, which is somewhat settled at the top, but there's definitely, I think, a wide open opportunity for someone uh, for the fourth tight end spot, basically wide open. Um, And they may even bring in additional players there. So two pretty interesting groups, in my opinion, uh, to cover today as we get deeper into the offense. If you missed the first version of this episode, I'll put a link to it in here. The quarterbacks, running backs, and fullback uh, groups. Uh, That one we already covered, so you can go back and check that out. Um, And we'll be getting to the offensive line next time. So stay tuned for that. Uh, In terms of other content, we just finished breaking down our season predictions, uh, which of course is way too early to to have a meaningful meaningful prediction. But hey, you know, it's fun. We broke down the schedule. We broke down uh, what we think the Falcons are going to do. And uh, all of us all came to the same overall uh, record prediction, but all had a very different way of getting there. So it's a pretty fun series of shows, The Last Two Falcoholic Lives with Eric Robinson and Anna Ikic, if you guys want to check those out. Um, as always, like I said, almost to training camp, I got some exciting stuff that I'm going to be announcing on the patron Q and a, which is going to be Friday night, June 30th at 6 PM. If you're interested in taking part in that, you still can. It's patreoncom slash alcoholic live. Uh, if you want to get involved with that, can sign up there all tiers right now, have access to those sessions. Um, and if you're interested in donating to the training camp travel fund, uh, all donations over the next couple months are going to training camp. You can do that at streamlabs.com slash falcoholic slash tip, or you can do it uh, on Twitter. You can go to my Twitter at falcoholic Kevin. There is a Venmo link embedded in the Twitter profile, uh, for you if you prefer that. And again, we always appreciate those donations. Uh, they really help, uh, lessen the burden on me. Uh, financially getting down there to training camp. I will be there for seven days this year officially, and I believe Adnan will be there for the other seven before the four, before the first preseason game. Um, so lots to look forward to there. Before we go any further, I do want to bring you a word from our sponsors this month. Uh, first of all, today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Maybe, of course, feeling overly confident in the Falcons or feeling overly confident in some other NFL futures bet. You can bet on those right now. You can bet on the Falcons to win the NFC South, perhaps even the NFC Championship, before the rest of the league catches up to that hype train. Because after the preseason, uh, if the Falcons look great, those odds are going to shift. 
Uh, but no matter what you decide to do, guys, Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as they've got you covered for all your insider sports bet wagering needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can get right uh, on your phone. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action and be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's, uh, it's written, you know, <laughs> right there also. B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And then also have a new sponsor, uh, which I'm sure you guys will enjoy. Uh, and this episode is also sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, know it can be awkward, but let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Look, guys, Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. It's a great line. <laughs> a plus copy there, guys. Thanks. <laughs> We've also got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code bucket, that's B-U-C-K-E-T, at checkout, just pay $5 and ship it. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code bucket to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com, BlueChew.com, not Bluetooth, wow, and for more details and important safety information, and we thank BlueChew once again for sponsoring the podcast. Um, all right, guys, let's dive into the wide receiver group. Like I said, 12 players in this group. Uh, and I'm going to break this one down into three sort of groupings because there are so many guys in it. Uh, the first one, of course, once again, will be roster locks. I have three guys in here. Honestly, might only be two, but to start, uh, first of all, Drake London, Mac Hollins, and, uh, Scotty Miller are the three guys that I'm considering roster locks. I think these are the three established guys that are sort of, I think, have clear roles in the offense and were the sort of bigger signings. And then obviously Drake London is the wide receiver one. So he's not going anywhere. Um, it's sort of self-explanatory with Drake London, right? Uh, had a very encouraging rookie season. I think he can deliver a lot more uh, going forward with a quarterback who's more competent. The, the few games that Desmond Ritter and Drake London had together were extremely productive. And uh, London would have been on pace for well over a thousand yards uh, if Ritter had played the entire season at that pace. So I think there's going to be a lot more volume there for Drake London and a lot more accurate passes than what we were getting from Marcus Mariota. So Drake London, obviously, I, I think is primed for a, a breakout year, if you want to call it that, um, at wide receiver one. And I think he's going to be a core part of what this offense wants to do through the air. And then there's Mac Hollins, who honestly, I think is kind of underrated. Um, had a pretty good season last year for the Raiders, really his first ever as a featured target. Uh, it's kind of a late career renaissance for Hollins, who's always sort of been a functional, serviceable wide receiver three, four type of guy uh, and an elite run blocker. Matt Collins is one of the best run blocking wide receivers in the NFL. And look, I mean, he's huge. Like he's like six, four, you know, two twenty. So this is a big bodied wide receiver, physical dominating on the outside. And I think he's going to be a core part of the blocking scheme 
and also the number two target at wide receiver, uh, and also likely to be the primary backup for Drake London. So if London, God forbid, has to miss any time, um, I think Matt Collins is the guy that's going to step into that role and, you know, can do a lot of the same things that Drake London can. I don't think he's as dynamic. I don't think he's as talented, but he does have the size. He has great contested catchability. Um, so he can give you s- the similar sort of style that Drake London offers. So you've got that guy in hand. And then the third guy on this list is Scotty Miller, who had a really interesting sort of breakout season in Tampa a couple of years ago, then dealt with injuries and just sort of got buried on that depth chart where the Bucks had, of course, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and they signed Russell Gage to a big deal. So they were basically filling out the chart and Scotty Miller just didn't get a lot of opportunity to play. This is your Demir Bird upgrade, I think. Um, Miller's, I think, five years younger than Demir Bird. Also a speedster rumor to run in the four twos. I think officially ran in the four threes at the combine. Um, similar size and and sort of profile to Demir Bird and that I think he's got a lot of ability as a deep threat. He's also been used sometimes on shorter stuff. Um, and I think he's that more dynamic presence, obviously not a big guy, uh, but he can play in the slot and outside. So he gives the team some flexibility there. Uh, and he has been starting to play special teams. He played a lot of special teams last year for Tampa Bay. So I think he checks that box as well as he's going to be able to contribute on special teams. Could be a factor in the returner battle as well. Uh, we heard that he was getting some, some opportunity there after Avery Williams injury. So Miller, I think has a pretty clear path to the roster. He's the one that I would say, maybe he's not a lock per se. Like if, if some, if these guys that we're going to talk about soon, like if a couple of these guys just absolutely blow up in camp I don't think that the team would be like, oh, we can't get rid of Scotty Miller, but I think he's sort of the most established deep threat, and I think they definitely want at least one of those guys in this group. So I, I think Miller's pretty safe, enough that I would consider him, you know, more or less a roster lock. Um, so those are the three guys I have in that group. Um, next, we'll go to the roster competitors, and in that group, I have five players, um, and I'll just go through those real quick, and then we'll sort of break down my thoughts. Uh, Kaderil Hodge is the top one, Penny Hart. Josh Ali, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and Frank Darby I have in this roster competitors group. And these are guys I think have a 50% chance or, sh- or so at making the roster. Like, they're they're in that sort of range where, you know, they have a realistic slash good chance to make the roster or at least be a primary competitor there. And, like, to be completely honest, I haven't had a chance to see any of these guys besides Kaderil Hodge and Frank Darby in person. Um, you know, I haven't really watched a lot of Penny Hart, Josh Ali. I mean, I've, I watched JJ Ortega Whiteside coming out of college, but that's basically all I know there. But based on what we've heard, and that's all I can go off of based on OTAs and all this stuff. These are the guys I think are the primary competitors, um, for the actual roster. And then I think there are definitely, there's another group of guys that I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys jump up into this group and some of these guys go down, but this is just my best guess at this point. Um, but yeah, starting out, Kadero Hodge, special teams ace. I think he's a completely serviceable wide receiver five type of player. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. I, I think Kadero Hodge is pretty safe unless somebody like really blows up and impresses. But he's that key special teams guy. So that whoever does that is going to have to be able to replicate his special teams ability. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to do that. So I think Hodge is the safest of this group. I would probably... I'm going to be penciling him in as like the wide receiver four or five on the roster. Um, In all of my roster projections, I'm going to be predicting him to make the roster, uh, but he's not a lock, certainly. So I think he is the safest of this group. Penny Hart, I think, did get a boost 
after the Avery Williams injury because he does have a lot of experience as a returner. Um, and he can also give the team a little bit more as a slot guy. And I, I really did like Penny Hart coming out of college. So he definitely has potential. Um, and I think he'll be a serious competitor here. The one that I was really surprised by was Josh Ali, um, who I've never seen before, never really knew much about, but he did um, end up on the Falcons practice squad last year. He was re-signed uh, to a futures contract, and he is like the last man standing from those futures contracts. So, and we've heard that he's been getting actually a fair amount of run, like earlier in the rotation. He's involved in the returner battle. Um, the team seems to actually be pretty high on Josh Ali, so I'm going to be factoring that in to my early predictions as well. I think Josh Ali actually has a pretty good chance. They do seem to really like him. So um, that one was surprising to me, based, but that based on what we've heard so far, I do think he's in this group for sure. Um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside I'm putting in here because of his draft pedigree. He's clearly really talented. He hasn't put it all together, um, but he does fit the mold, right? This is a guy that's a big receiver, really willing and good run blocker, uh, physical outside presence, great contested catch player. And he's started to play a lot of special teams um, in his final year in Philadelphia, which could help him stick on the end of this roster. His potential, I think, lifts him into this group more than some of the other guys. And he's got several years of NFL experience and maybe he just needed a fresh start like some of these other guys. Um, you know, he needs to prove it. I would not call him like one of the safer guys on this list. I think the top three of Hodge Hart and Ali are, are probably the guys that are the favorites to make the roster. But I think Ortega Whiteside is definitely in that group of guys that deserves that the compet the real true roster competitor label. And then I got Frank Darby here. Honestly, guys, I, I don't really think Frank Darby's gonna make it, but the team loves him. I know personality wise, he's a joy to be around. The team loves him, the players love him. He's just a fun player. I, I don't think he offers a ton on special teams or offense, but as like a wide receiver six, I think he offers enough to get that spot. I You know, because of his history here uh, and, you know, draft status with the team, I think he's got a leg up on some of the UDFA types and late signings, but I think Frank Darby is the one in the most danger of not making this roster of this group for sure. Um, so I know he has a lot of fans and I've really enjoyed Frank Darby in Atlanta, so I'm not excited to see him go but I, I think he's got the toughest road of any of these five guys to make this roster um the next one i'll calling this one squad competitors guys that i think are legit like that are probably fighting for practice squad spots and i've got the other four receivers here i will preface this by saying i believe one of these guys is probably going to jump up into the roster competitors group i just have no idea which one it is my personal guess i will i will tell you but I don't know these. I don't know enough about these guys. They don't really have a long track record in the NFL enough for me to make any sort of educated guess. I do think all these guys have a legitimate chance for the practice squad, but the roster might be might be asking a lot. I think these are guys that have like a 25% chance or less of making it. But like I said, one of these guys is probably going to be a factor in the roster battle by the time that the preseason has concluded. So um, four guys in here, uh, Xavier Zay Malone is what they're calling him. Um, He's got a nickname, so Arthur Smith, when he nicknames players like Ryan Newsel, Newsflash, those guys, I think, have a tendency to stick around, so pay attention to, the, to him. Uh, we've also got Keelan, Kylon Harris. Uh, again, if anybody knows for sure how to pronounce that, let me know. Uh, Slade Bolden, former Alabama receiver, and Chris Blair, who was the late signing after mandatory minicamp. Um, so these four, I think, are all legitimate receivers. Um, 
you know, so I think any of these guys could jump up into that next group. The one that I think has the best chance is Xavier Malone, Zay Malone, um, because I, I loved his tape. It's a lot of fun. Again, Division Two Henderson State, not the level of competition, not there, but Xavier Malone, elite speed, um, really good ball tracking, deep ball ability, and surprising run after catch and contact balance um, that I was not expecting to see from a guy that's a smaller receiver like him. And I think that contact balance, I think that translates. Like, obviously, when he's running past everybody at the D2 level, he's just a better athlete. And, you know, he's a great athlete. I think he's still a good athlete at the NFL level. You can't just survive on that at the NFL level that we've seen this time and time again. Where I think Xavier Malone has the edge is that his contact balance, like D2 players, this is still college football. These guys can tackle. Um, they can hit. They're not bad players. They're, the athleticism is just not on the level of, of Division One, but they're good tacklers. And, and Xavier Malone made a lot of guys look silly. He broke a lot of tackles. Um, just was able to stay on his feet really well. This and he's he's in the returner competition as well. So he he's got that ticket where if he wins that returner battle because of that deep speed, because of that contact balance, he's got a ticket to the roster off of that. So. Um, I do think if, if one of these guys is the most likely to jump up into the roster competitor group, it's probably Xavier Malone. Um, but I do think these other three guys have a shot too. Chris Blair, I know, stuck around, I think, with the Packers, if I'm not mistaken, um, for a couple of years. And Slade Bolden, I liked his college tape. Um, Keelan Harris also had really good D2 tape. Um, athletically, I think he's a lot more limited, so I wonder if that'll hold him back. But, um, you know, this is an intriguing group. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if one of these guys ends up jumping into that serious competitor group. My money would be on Zay Malone, but um, I know all of these guys have fans. I know Slade Bolden has a lot of fans too. So, um, you know, this is my educated guess that I think most likely these are practice squad type of competitor guys, but I think Zay Malone is the one that I would consider jumping up into the other group and, and will be the least shocked if he's actually a serious contender uh, in training camp. All right, guys, next group we're going to take a look at is tight end. This one's not quite as verbose, not as many guys competing here, but this is a very important group for Arthur Smith's Falcons offense. The Falcons routinely rolled out two or even three tight ends at the highest rate, maybe of any team in the league. They also utilized a lot of running backs. So when I talk about how important having a lot of tight ends is the Falcons are a team that's really going to make that happen. They will probably keep at least four. They kept five at times last season, partially due to injuries. But um, I think that they would consider keeping five if the right group was here. But again, um, at least four tight ends I'm expecting to be on that 53-man roster. And this is a vital group. Arthur Smith expects these guys to all block and all catch passes. You know, Kyle Pitts last year was sort of his blocking trial by fire they really asked him to block a lot and he did get a lot better I think he's like an average blocker now which for a guy that was never really asked to do it in college because of his talent um that's impressive I think it really shows off Kyle Pitts work ethic and I think Kyle Pitts becoming a complete tight end will just unlock even more for him in the receiving game um he doesn't have to come off the field he can stay out there he can block and you know teams won't know what he's doing like he's not going to be a decoy as a blocker which is great for this rushing attack as well. So speaking of Kyle Pitts, let's get to the roster locks. Three guys I think I have in this category. Yes, three guys. Uh, obviously, Kyle Pitts. You know, we'll talk about him. Uh, 
then Johnny Smith behind him. And then Parker Hesse is the third guy that I think are all, these are all safe roster locks. Um, these are all guys that the Falcons either invested a ton in and are like star caliber players traded for and are paying a lot of money or um, are just key components to the offense. Kyle Pitts, look, disappointing season last year. I think it's sort of overblown considering he missed a lot of games due to injury and Marcus Mariota just could not get him the ball. Like it was embarrassing. Um, and and like this is coming from a guy who the first, I think the, far, the first six games of Marcus Mariota were actually pretty good. Um, the Falcons were at a top 10 offense level at that point. Mariota was hitting a lot of guys like Alameda Zacchaeus in particular really effectively, but he just couldn't get the ball to Kyle Pitts. And that's a cardinal sin in this offense when you've invested so much in Kyle Pitts. I don't think it's a Kyle Pitts problem at all. Um, you know, he's streaking downfield wide open and Mariota just can't hit him. I mean, that's not Kyle Pitts' fault. I think Kyle Pitts is still that player. I People forget he had a thousand yards as a rookie. That's only happened twice in NFL history. One time being Kyle Pitts. So he's still great. I think he's going to be a star. I think the Falcons are going to have an elite duo of pass catching players in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Um, and I think Desmond Ritter is going to be much more willing and able to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. And that will be one of the keys to this offense. Honestly, can the Falcons hit those deep shots to Kyle Pitts that Marcus Mariota could not last year. And if they can, I think this is going to be, that's going to be really good and really lift this offense in a huge way um, and really punish teams for stacking the box, which is really a core component of this offense, right? Marcus Mariota couldn't get it done. It really limited what the Falcons could do offensively. Uh, they were still able to get it done on the ground. You know, Falcons were still a great rushing attack, but they need to be able to capitalize when teams stack the box and really load up to stop the run. And they just weren't able to do that last year. Kyle Pitts is a key component of that, obviously safe for the roster. Then we got Jonu Smith, uh, who I think is one of the most underrated additions this offseason. Jonu Smith... To be clear, I don't think Johnny Smith is going to be like a super high volume pass catching target. Um, I don't think his, he, this is not, you know, Johnny Smith's not necessarily that sort of deep threat style guy that I think some people think he is when you look at his like athletic profile. Johnny Smith is kind of like a receiving focused Parker Hesse where he lines up in the backfield. He does some fullback stuff. He does some halfback stuff. He does jet sweeps. He does all this stuff. And really where Johnny Smith made his mark the most for Tennessee was short yardage and red zone. Um, he had eight touchdowns with Arthur Smith in 2020 was just this red zone secret weapon. And I think that's what he's going to be. Once again, he's going to give the Falcons that really important piece uh, in the red zone. That's sort of just this, this secret sauce um, because teams know Drake London, Drake London already a really dangerous red zone threat. Kyle Pitts hasn't been that yet, but he's attracted a ton of attention in the red zone and that's not going to stop. So when you're dedicating one or two guys to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and then you've got Bijan Robinson and this backfield to contend with, and you have to sort of always, especially as you get closer to the goal line, you have to respect the threat of that run. Johnny Smith's going to have a lot of opportunities one-on-one, -on -one, probably with linebackers, sometimes maybe even with defensive ends, depending on how heavy the formation gets, um, to really just use his athleticism and his ability to move around to just create chaos. And I think... I think this is this people are going to be mad and it doesn't mean Kyle Pitts isn't going to catch more touchdowns, but I think Johnny Smith could lead the Falcons in red zone touchdowns this year. Um, and I don't think that would be a bad thing. You know, will he get eight again? I don't know. Um, but I, I do think he's someone that really needs to be 
uh, get some more respect on his name because the Patriots did not utilize him the way Arthur Smith did. And I think that was a big mistake on their part, giving him all that money and just letting him go to waste as a traditional tight end. That's just not what he is. Um, and he's a, he's a decent blocker too, especially as a move player. Um, speaking of blockers, Parker Hesse, he's going to be the Falcons main blocking tight end. And again, like Johnny Smith, Parker Hesse is a very mobile blocker. He can do in line just fine, but, um, Hesse is, you know, if, if Hesse has continued to improve as like a fullback type blocker, this could be where the Falcons look to shed the fullback, go to Parker Hesse and Johnny Smith as that sort of fullback type players, um, and utilize that position more as like a playmaker and use the tight end and then save a roster spot for, for another position that they may be wanting to load up on a little bit more like wide receiver. Um, so I think Hesse is absolutely safe. He does a lot for this team. He played the most snaps, I believe, of any tight end last year. Kyle Pitts got hurt, obviously, but Hesse played more than any wide receiver not named uh, Drake London or Alameda Zacchaeus by far. I think he played over 60% of the offensive snaps. So he's a core co- component of this offense uh, and should not be forgotten about. So I think uh, all three of the other tight ends are in contention for the roster as well. So the, their roster competitors. Um, and... I do think one of them is the favorite based on my opinion only at this point, but uh, I do think both of these other guys have a shot legitimately. Um, so these three guys, John Fitzpatrick, uh, the seventh round pick from 2022, who unfortunately missed almost, I mean, they missed the entire season um, due to injury and in training camp. I believe it was a back injury. He's fully healthy. He's been practicing all this off season. So interesting guy that I think we're going to get the first opportunity to see this year. We also have Felipe Franks, the old standby, uh, who Arthur Smith, we know he's obsessed with Felipe Franks. So we'll see if Felipe can continue to hang on or if this is his year that he goes down to the practice squad. And then Tucker Fisk has come back as well, um, who was in camp last year. Uh, again, this is another Parker Hesse type of guy, sort of a mobile blocker that can do a lot of different things. Also a former defensive line convert to tight end. Um, the Falcons seem to like to do that. Uh, it's interesting. So... Again, I think all three of these guys have a shot. I do think that if they keep just four, that it's going to be John Fitzpatrick, almost certainly. Again, this is just my gut feeling based off what I've read so far. But I think John Fitzpatrick, he's he's that blocking type. They need, and how much they're going to run the ball. They 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 have two receiving-focused guys in Kyle Pitts and Johnny Smith. They only have one real blocker in Parker Hesse. Um, so I think John Fitzpatrick is going to make the roster for his ability to be that primary blocker. He's a really good blocker. He's got almost tackle sort of height, weight, t- tackle size, right? Um, lighter to play tight end, but he's a big tight end. And honestly, I, th- I thought his hands coming out were really good. He's not a dynamic res- like athlete, but athletic enough to hit all the blocks, has good hands, um, could potentially be like a red zone outlet type of guy. And look, they drafted this guy for a reason. This was a guy that nobody really knew about going in the draft. I certainly hadn't scouted him, but they liked him a lot. And the Falcons, again, they did not bring back Michael Pruitt and they did not go after another blocking tight end or any tight end in the draft in what was a really deep class overall. So I think that communicates a lot of optimism and faith in a guy like John Fitzpatrick to take that next step to make the roster and really um, bolster the blocking. You know, Felipe Franks, the reason he has a good chance to stick around is because he's that Kyle Pitts sort of backup. Now, Felipe Franks has never been able to turn playing time into anything. Like, he hasn't been able to, to get stats at all. Um, but he never played tight end before the last couple of years. So, 
that could like you know this is a thing like if you're going to develop a guy sometimes it takes time maybe this is the year he finally puts it all together because last camp if you'll remember we were very high on felipe franks he was looking great so if he has another strong camp and this time is able to convert it into good preseason play and then hopefully convert that into good uh regular season play i mean i would not be i would not be shocked if felipe franks makes it as the fifth tight end again we also know he could be the emergency quarterback um and i do wonder in some ways if he they could label him again as a quarterback um and put him in the quarterback room as the third quarterback and make him that emergency third quarterback on game days um while keeping him on the roster as sort of an like a backup type guy obviously that would mean he could only come in if there were a, if there was a quarterback injury but um i do think that he look arthur smith likes him i i get what he's trying to do he wants a backup for Kyle Pitts that's also a dynamic presence in the receiving game but he hasn't shown anything yet. He, this is sort of do or die now. Like he needs to translate a good training camp into good preseason and into good regular season, or he's not going to stick around much longer. So, um, and Tucker Fisk, look, I think Fisk, I don't think has a great chance to make the roster this year, but he did make it back. I think he's got an obvious path to the practice squad and, you know, they want a guy that's sort of going to be able to fill that Parker Hesse role. If Hesse has to miss time, I think he's sort of being set up and, and, you know, groomed into being this Parker Hesse backup. Um, and practice squad might be sort of where he's at at this point. But I do think he's an interesting interesting player. Uh, and I think he's got potential. So, um, you know, we'll see what he can do in camp. But at this point, I do think he's probably ticketed for the practice squad. Um, so we'll see. I also would not rule out another signing here if this group is not coming together as expected or we get an injury. Um, I think Michael Pruitt's probably on speed dial. I mean, if it was up to me, I would have already brought back Michael Pruitt. But I think the reason they haven't is they they want to give John Fitzpatrick a legitimate chance to win the job. Because if Michael Pruitt was here, I I think we all know Michael Pruitt would probably just win that job. Um, so I think they want to give John Fitzpatrick a legitimate chance to to work with the first team as a blocker to get those reps and see what they have. And if they don't like it or they're not confident enough, that they'll bring back Michael Pruitt. Um, and Michael Pruitt might just come back anyway and they'll, they'll keep five tight ends. I mean, we'll see. But that's exactly what happened last year, if you'll recall. Like, uh, the Falcons didn't have Pruitt on the roster for a while. Then they bring him in right before camp. And then, you know, the rest is history. So, overall, I think this is a good tight end room. Um, and I think John New Smith's really underrated. I think John Fitzpatrick could be a really good blocker. Um, but we'll just have to see. But... Not as much intrigue as wide receiver necessarily, but I do think it's a fun group. Um, and I think this is one that maybe it's a little bit underrated in terms of like, I would, I'm really excited to see what Johnny Smith is doing in training camp. Um, just really, I, I think that is going to be one of the keys. If this offense beats expectations, especially in the national media expectations, I think it'll be in a, in a large part to Johnny Smith's uh, sort of reinvigoration here in Atlanta under Arthur Smith, which people should have seen coming. Because Arthur Smith knows how to use Johnny Smith. Those two made magic together in Tennessee. So um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to, to monitor that situation. Um, guys, that is, uh, that's that's those positions today. So we got through. Uh, wide receiver and tight end. Again, I think wide receiver may be the most intriguing position. One of the most fun always to watch at camp. Uh, I'll be getting you plenty of videos, plenty of stuff uh, at training camp. Again, if you are interested in donating to help cover the travel expenses, that is streamlabs.com slash the falcoholic slash tip link is in the show description appreciate anything um but again totally optional but uh we do appreciate everything you guys do 
Uh, please do like subscribe if you're enjoying the show. Leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And yeah, uh, stay tuned for some more great content coming your way. Like I said, the uh, patron Q&A is going to be Friday, June 30th at 6 p.m. So you're probably listening to this uh, that day or afterwards. But uh, for patrons, that's going to be Friday night. Everyone else will get it Monday morning. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, if you want to take part in that, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Uh, we're going to be forming those patron fantasy leagues very soon. So if you want to get your name in the hat for that, make sure probably by about training camp you want to be in. So, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, force you guys in early or whatever if you don't want to. But to play the fantasy leagues, you do need to be a patron and you do need to maintain your Patreon status throughout the league or you're not eligible to win any prizes or anything like that. So um, those are the rules around that. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. We'll, we'll announce more about that after the Q&A session. Um, but yeah, guys, really appreciate everyone for watching, tuning in, hanging out. Uh, we'll be back next week with plenty more content and more uh, training camp previews for you guys as we get through the remainder of the offense and inch ever closer to training camp itself. Uh, today's show was brought to you by Bet Online, And uh, yeah, thanks again. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, the show is Dirty Birds and Brews. You can follow us at Falcoholic Live. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, folks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.